Hello and welcome to the J-Rod F1 pod with me, James Robson. And me, Ollie Dix. So, first of all, welcome into the 50th episode of the J-Rod pod. Big achievement to me and Ollie. Well done. Got nothing else to do with our lives. Yeah, very good. And to celebrate that, we decided to invite our special guest host, Sam Courtian, to talk about one hell of a Formula One race this weekend. So let's jump straight into the conversation that Ollie and I are having with Sam about the Formula One race in Monza. All right, so Sam, let's start with you because, I mean, it was the only Formula One race I've ever watched that had two standing starts. But let's roll it back a little bit to get some context as to why there was the second start. Kevin Magnussen kind of caused the biggest drama in the race, certainly in the early part of the race, because he stopped with a mechanical error essentially in the pit entry, which meant the pit entry was shut. What happened after that that sort of progressed out to Leclerc crashing at the Parabolica? Yeah, so Magnussen had his mechanical issues, pulled into the side of the track. They couldn't remove the car from the track without pushing it down the pit lane. So under the safety car, they closed the pit lane entry and there were like no lights on the pit lane entry, but there were two big red crosses as you came round towards it and under the safety car Hamilton and Giovinazzi they pulled in and did a pit stop but they didn't see the red crosses that's what they're claiming they didn't see but it also should have come up on the pit lane as well with their race engineers but it clearly got missed by both parts and they went in did a pit stop and because of that, ended up from the race officials with a 10 second stop and go, which meant they had to then come back into the pit lane at some point, wait for 10 seconds and go, which ultimately lost Hamilton the race because of then what happened when the clerk crashed. So then, so th- this was all going on. So the Hamilton and Joe Nazi come into pit and then there's a rolling restart after Magnussen's car has been recovered. Yeah. But as they're accelerating away from that restart, Leclerc just loses control of the back end of the well, car. He passed both Alfa Romeos, like into that first chicane, and then came and then lost control at the Parabolica, and that's where he crashed. Yeah. Big time. Big yeah. old crash. It was Full a big shunt. Um, and then that's when we were introduced to the second safety car. Yeah, but then that was quite the race it. quite quickly was red flagged because they realized they had to do a lot of work to rebuild yeah, the Yeah, basically they just had to rebuild the wall. Yeah, the rebuild the tire barrier. Destroyed. And I think because it is such a it's there's been a crash there two years in a row. So they like they need to have that one in. And it's a high speed part of the track. I mean yeah. well, everywhere in Monza is a high speed <laughs> part of the track. Yeah. Um but so then during but it's this weird rule now. They they come in under the red flag and they stop yeah. in a line in the pit lane. But work can be done to the cars then. Yeah, so you can change tyres. And they were also trying to fix something on Bottas's car. But it needs to be... The, they were also had officials down looking at that because the parts have to be like for like. Like exactly have to be replaced. And there was, they were looking into that as well. Um, but basically... 
under this red flag meant that we were then going to have a second start which meant that when if Hamilton had been able to carry on the race without the red flag he would have gone off built up such a lead that when he came into the pit lane the 10 seconds wouldn't have made a difference however because everyone was then starting again behind him he didn't have enough laps to build up that start so just had to take the 10 seconds and it but he went from first to last. Yeah, and it he, wasn't just 10 seconds, though, because I think sometimes we forget, okay, 10 seconds. Like, he also lost, like, an extra 20 seconds because of having to slow down to go through the pit lane. Yeah, exactly. That, like, the pit lane it's journey like almost. Seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he, he was... He I was think, 23 seconds off the back marker. No, I think... No, off the person in first place. When he came out, he was 18 seconds off the back of the grid, which yeah. was Albon. And so, proceeded to I mean, I mean, he did catch him up in thirteen laps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he did a very he did a good job. I mean, he it did show a different side of Hamilton. We haven't had to see him overtake, and we haven't had to see him get that, through the. That's kind of like I uh, uh, that's I think that's why I became such a fan of Lewis Hamilton is because there were those races early on in his career where something would go wrong, or there'd be a wet race. Like there was a wet race in China that he did in like two thousand eight or something, where somehow due to like getting pit stop strategy wrong he just ended up at the back of the pack and then came absolutely charging through and i think we forget that about him we forget that he can do that and we forget that he is that good yeah but because he's just been such a superior car he's never he hasn't had to do that for the last god knows how many years 2014 really isn't it yeah yeah so i think that was good and he did manage to go from last up to seventh yeah, I think, which, which is only two places behind Bottas. Yeah, which you would look at as, I mean, it could have had a big impact on his drivers' championship, but everyone around him also had a shocker. So he's still forty-seven points clear. Yeah, it, it was very lucky that Verstappen retired with mechanical issues after that. But it wasn't like he was having a great race anyway, like Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. like it didn't. It looked like okay, there was Hamilton out in front, and the gap was like quite comfortable sizable yeah but then after him it it still looked open Bottas was struggling like behind everyone else awful start yeah I don't know what's wrong with his start at the moment he seems to have lost like his zip off the line a a little bit and then everyone around him like Albon was right at the back the I know that I said that the Renaults would look quite good at Monza I think they underperformed massive. Uh, not yeah, they underperformed massively. The racing points weren't really of any significance, I don't think. And so actually, it was a race where the people who did do well were going to do well anyway. I just don't think we expected them to do this well. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, I think that the person who obviously like Hamilton really lost out because of the red flag, but. For me, it was the McLarens that I felt worst for because they saw the pit lane was shut. That was communicated to them when Magnussen's safety car was out there. Then the pit lane was opened whilst the safety car was still out, so they went in for new tyres, came out in 7th and 8th, and then immediately the race, like literally two laps later, the race was red flagged. So it meant everyone in front of them could then just change tyres and stay where they were. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I thought Carlos Sainz drove so well to get that onto second place at the very end. And 
I felt sorry for Norris because he was doing a lot of a lot of defending from Bottas quite hard and I felt like had he uh, had he had the sort of luck a little bit more luck he could well have been on the podium for his is, would that be his first podium in Formula 1? Uh, was he not third? Yeah because he oh, got yeah. that fastest lap and, and mm. Hamilton had the five second yeah. uh, penalty that then Norris got in front so but, but still like I think you know, I don't want to bring this argument up too early, but we talk about our two young British drivers, and Norris, like, shows that he can consistently get on the podium, I think, and, like, almost the performances that we saw from Leclerc two years ago, I think you could argue are quite comparable to what you're seeing from Norris now. Yeah. No, I, I'm a massive fan of Landon Norris. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Carlos Sainz gave quite an interesting answer after the race about whether he was regretting his decision for next year, and um, he was very PC about the fact that he wa- he wasn't, and oh, ev- you know, everyone's struggling, and I'm sure we'll get better, and no one's in a good place compared to Mercedes and things like that. But um, <laughs> also, yeah. no one's in a worse place like Ferrari. Yeah, I think we knew it was going to be bad, but having both Vettel and Leclerc not finish the race. That's really, really bad. Yeah, Vettel's Vettel's. I mean, brake failure in quite a spectacular fashion at the first chicane. Absolutely ploughed through oh, yeah. some some styrofoam <laughs> styrofoam <laughs> boards or whatever they were and made a bit of a mess. I mean, it was cool to watch, but yeah, I mean, um, also he also had to drive that car so carefully into the pit lane because he didn't have any brakes. I mean, could have just taken out people. That must really shake your confidence if you're going at. 210 220 miles an hour and you slam your foot on the brake and nothing happens yeah i mean think how scary it is if you're on like ice and you're going at like five miles an hour and your car doesn't stop when you want it to (laughs) like that's yeah terrifying and then leclerc i think that i think i mean obviously we don't have all the data but it looked like driver error it just looked like he he got to heavy-footed, uh, uh, you know, trying to accelerate out of Parabolica, lost the back end, overcorrected, and then just shot off. And there's no margin for error at Monza because you're going so fast, that track bites you hard. I think he might have felt the pressure to the position that he was in to make the most of, like, make the most of that position. He was in a hurry to get past both Alfa Romeo's and then, I, and I think that might have just caused that like unforced error a little bit, like to put him in that position. Um, yeah, and then like Lance Stroll. I mean, a couple of overtakes, but I think, I mean, he, he drove well, but I think this is a stra- strategic podium. You know, yeah. they. I'm they, not going to say right they place, got right time. Yeah, I'm not going to say they got lucky, but that. yeah. They basically, yeah, basically, it fell into their hands. Yeah, because it was it was a bold choice not to pit <clears throat> under the safety car. Um when they had the option and actually when you if you remove if you kind of put yourself back in that position not knowing that there was going to be a red flag, it seems an odd decision not to pit. Um but yeah, they they seem to seem to get lucky there. But then I mean, you've got to move on and look at Pierre Gasly because he's had an absolute tumultuous last 12 months or 15 months or whatever it is since he 
was made Red Bull's driver and then was demoted halfway through the season back to AlphaTauri. Um, the first French winner of a Formula One race since 1996, the 109th winner of an F1 race. I mean, it was interesting watching him as he got out of his car, the amount of drivers queuing up to congratulate him. I think there's no better way that you can summarise this race than, unfortunately, what Toto Wolff said. Okay, a bad day for Mercedes, a win for all of Formula One. I don't think there are any Formula One fans that dislike this race in any kind of way. I think it was so good for the sport and for it to... It seems like it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy that everyone's a fan of and that everyone wants to see be successful successful especially like you said after what's happened to him over these like that six month period where he got dropped and then couldn't really drive any worse after he got dropped from Red Bull and then I mean rolling back the years to a bit of Kimi Raikkonen you know what was his second or third at one point and yeah unfortunately went backwards from there but I mean it was just like what was it was it Racing Point whose Twitter account put on um they basically said, Alexa, shuffle my F1 playlist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it was like completely random people in completely random places. And it was it was just so entertaining. Um, and especially in those last couple of laps, Ollie and I were screaming at the TV. Um, I, I, I was screaming for Carlos Sainz to overtake Pierre Gasly. And you were willing on Pierre Gasly to make it across the finish line. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that I am probably Pierre's biggest fan on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and yeah, like I said, I think it's it's great and it's great for Alpha Turi. Um, you know, I think it was Vettel in the Toro Rosso that won their only ever other race, um, and you know, puts them in a very good position. And what it does like that is, I think if you look at the drivers' championship now, like wide open for everyone, like fourth and below. Yeah, I think it's like fourth to tenth maybe even like to twelfth is just wide open it's all within 20 points and that's yeah. just such a great like dynamic to have in the driver's race because it means <laughs> and as we've seen today like or as we've seen this weekend you know it's not out of the realms of possibility that someone ends up with 25 points yeah yeah and also i think for like alfataris to their italian based like team they won in italy like, and everyone was so pleased for them to win as a team as well. Did you see the Red Bull garage? Like, as the AlphaTauri guys oh, were yeah, running yeah, yeah. from their pit wall down to the podium, the Red Bull garage were essentially all out, like, clapping them as they ran down. It was pretty epic. Um, based, they're based in Faenza, and they're formerly known as Minardi, have now won their home Grand Prix the same number of times as Ferrari in the last 14 seasons. I love facts like that. Yeah. And do you want another fa- another fact like that? I would love one. It's been 146 races, uh, so 2013 season, that a car other than Ferrari, Mercedes, or Red Bull won the race. So now you look at AlphaTauri and think you're 14 points off Ferrari in the constructors' yeah, championship. That massively opens that up as well. Yeah. If I said to you at the start of this year that eight races into 2020, Gasly would have the same number of wins as Bottas, Leclerc, and Vettel combined, would you have believed me? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I mean, looking at looking at the Mercedes then, because it's hard not to talk about them given how much we have spoken about them in the past. Um, with Lewis, I feel like that's just like one mistake that he actually had a good day in the car. Other than that, yeah, one I think mistake. he was going to win at a counter, really, wasn't he? Like, yeah, it was pretty straightforward for him, and they made a mistake, and they didn't really hold their hands up about it that easily either i mean i've never seen i mean there's not many races where there was red flags but he scooted off down to the pit lane chatted to everyone on the pit wall and then went and visited the stewards to talk about the um the 10 second penalty he got handed it was almost like (laughs) it was almost like um one of those helicopter car chases you know those helicopter footage of the car chases because it was like Where's Lewis now? And then there's <laughs> yeah. like some bloke running along with a camera trying to keep up yeah. with Lewis and on his scooter. And all the like, oh, he's just, you know, he's just off to the toilet. And it was like, no, he's actually off to complain <laughs> about his penalty. Um, so I mean, it's good in a way that shows a bit shows, of fight. Yeah, like he's not, he's not taking this season for granted, but also like it couldn't have happened in a more perfect race for him. Yeah, exactly. With Bottas the way he is, up, and like you said, Verstappen. Not finishing and well, yeah, well, it, like mean, hasn't it. <laughs> it like hasn't impacted him at all. No, I think he still came off better. Yeah. Than like anyone else, um, but I do worry for Bottas. Yeah, I mean, this is what Mercedes pay him for. This is what Mercedes pay Valtteri Bottas to win races when Lewis Hamilton can't. Yeah, and, and he didn't capitalize on and that. If he's like not going to get his elbows out, and he's not going to fight him on the track. When he slips up and makes a mistake, he has to be in that position to take the win. And he was mincing around off the start line. Yeah, uh, it was especially <laughs> interesting looking. It was especially interesting watching, um, the onboard footage from Carlos Sainz, off the start, because literally it just looked like Bottas missed the light. Yeah. Because Carlos Sainz was off and going. And you just saw that Mercedes stationary and then go. Yeah, but it was like such a slow start that you watched it and you were like, oh, something's not right with the car. Like, something must have happened. And then he then just continued to get overtaken. So you were like, there must be something. And then they, you heard the radios and they were like, he's like, oh, I think I've got a puncture. This, can you check this and this? And they're all just all there going, no, the data seems fine. <laughs> you just need to catch up. Yeah. It's, it, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's all on him. And it is interesting now, like, it's arguably a year where he can realistically still finish second. And that will be deemed, I think, as a failure. Like, I get that he's, like, then the best of the rest and all like that. But you would argue that if you put the fight that all the other drivers seem to be showing in all of their cars... I think he then looks even worse in that Mercedes. I mean, I guess that what I would say in his defence slightly is, is it must be quite demoralising knowing that however hard you try and however hard you turn up to work and give it your give it your all, your employer does not want you to succeed. But that's just feeling sorry for yourself. No, I'm I'm, I'm aware of that, but it must like this has been going on for a couple of years and you know by by that point it must start to grate on you that you're not being given the opportunity to beat him when you feel you should but uh, yeah i mean 
he's going to have to turn if, something around, and and he he is contracted there next year, so you know he's going to have to figure out a way to settle that with himself. If you were paid eight million US dollars a year, would you feel sorry for yourself and be moping around like that? No. And that's what I think. Like, he's like he's paid the same amount of Col- as 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 Carlos signs at McLaren is. And there is a very big difference between how those two drivers, for example, are driving at the moment. Yeah. How do you think the um, sorry? <clears throat> how do you think the other drivers feel about Bottas sat in a Mercedes, and him almost just like taking a back seat? Do you think those other drivers are like desperate to be where he is, he is, and just be like, I would do this, I would do that. I mean, I think I yes think. and no. Like, I think you would want to be in that car because you'd want to come second. But every F1 driver measures themselves up to their teammate. That's your first measurement as to how you're getting on. And I think if you're... Like, I do genuinely think if you're put in a position where you're not being given a fair shot at beating your teammate, that actually that would put a fair amount of drivers off. From the outside... I think you, like we are now, and like I just have, you probably criticise Bottas quite freely and quite easily. I think you place a lot of them in that position and everything changes. I think it was... Rosberg was our... If Rosberg hadn't done what he did when he got his elbows out, I think we wouldn't necessarily think of this as the situation that it is. But I think because we've seen someone get their elbows out, beat Lewis, show some fight, show that it's possible, we're now like, well, why isn't Bottas doing that? If Bottas isn't in that seat, why isn't Russell, Ricardo, Verstappen, like anybody, like why are they not doing that? And I think we would continually have that conversation. And I think that's that Mercedes kind of aura that they have around the place that actually like they're a team first so your personal stuff has to come second um and then looking at the tifosi then and ferrari i mean what what more can we kind of say i mean sixth in the constructors now behind renault um second concept when he was like well, it's a blessing that the Italian fans aren't here to see this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we said that last time. Yeah. I don't think you could ever storm a Formula One race, but I think you would have been close. <laughs> Not allowing yeah. anyone to finish would have been the only way that Ferrari won this weekend. Yeah, and I, I think for in the same way that Toto Wolff said this is great for Formula One this weekend, I think not having Ferrari at <clears throat> strength is bad for formula 1 like i think then like i think ferrari needs to be at the top of the grid to engage the fan base that ferrari has because so like so many people love ferrari so much and i just hope that the fans stay with them through the tough time i yeah. think they will i think they're italian fans and there's no way they're switching but i think the people that maybe are like glory fans yeah are just going to are gonna yeah i mean i mean it also is i mean we're talking about it like it it is also something to talk about it is a talking point and 
I, I mean, it's prob- it's not going to stay this way. At some point, they'll get their act together. I mean, it's not going to be this season, probably not next season, but... I think the worst thing is, is that they were so dominant last year. Or so competitive, sorry, last year. Yeah. And so this is like... Until the FIA ruling. Well, yeah, but this is a, like a fall from heaven. Yeah. Very much down to hell. And yeah. I think that that's why it is so... This isn't a gradual decline that we've seen. This is like... Okay, like... Could this be any worse? Probably not. And I think that's why it's so bad. I don't think Formula 1 necessarily needs them at the very top, but needs them to be competitive. And yeah. At the moment, there's no sign of that. No. Okay, and then, I mean, obviously... Last time we discussed um, how much of a difference not having party mode 0.7 would make, <laughs> yeah, and Sam I think that's what I said. Sam predicted about forty-five <laughs> seconds per lap. <laughs> but it was interesting to see that actually the people that lost out on it was Red Bull, the yeah. most, because in qualifying they were not where they used to be. No, I actually was surprised about that. Actually, to be honest, I think because we. I especially was linking party mode to Mercedes. I think everyone does. <laughs> and I think <clears throat> like all of the questions were asking Hamilton, like how is this going to impact you? And actually, when you look at it, I mean, there were no Red Bulls on like... The front last... two rows. Yeah. there was On a, on a track that we <clears throat> expected them to be quick. Yeah, yeah, because their straight line speed is good. Yeah, and I mean, Mercedes yeah. were kind of saying like, "Look, like we need to do we, something because that Red Bull is very quick in straight line speed." I don't think probably Formula One knew how much potentially Red Bull had taken advantage of party mode. Yeah, but again, like it's it's because the gap was the same. What from Red from, Bull from Hamilton to the next person it, I think it was like 0.8 yeah so actually that's usually what we're used to seeing probably with a, a Red Bull somewhere in between and so like actually like it didn't really seem to make a difference to the Mercedes and if anything it will Im- it's going to improve their race speed yeah and so actually it, it almost might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise for Mercedes yeah I mean it was interesting for me that Bottas got sent out first twice they didn't even give him the first run to try and get a good lap in behind lewis in the slipstream there was that whole palaver with the queuing up again and and, and i mean lewis very nearly had a crash was it in q2 where he oh, came well, absolutely barreling down the straight and they, you know had to go on the grass to avoid two cars yeah and that was the start of a poor weekend for ferrari and vettel as well yeah i mean there was a it's it baffles me that they get quite a long time to do their runs in there in qualifying yet they all choose to go on the track at the same time to try and get slipstream but they just ended up in so much traffic that they were just completely they were screwing themselves over i didn't really i mean obviously there was there was some stuff that went on there was some argy that went on in q uh was it q2 where there was like actually looked like wheel-to-wheel racing in Q2. Yeah, it just looked like a race. Um, but Q3, 
they all got out there and got across the line with about a minute and a half left. Yeah, I was I was going to say this. Like it seemed like everyone started their final lap with like three minutes yeah. to go. And but I that was, like, was that was Mercedes because Mercedes set that off because they sent Bottas out first and then Hamilton out straight after. Well, the thing is, the Mercedes aren't going to get a slipstream from another car because they're so much quicker. Yeah. But they the work together. Way, yeah, the only way they're going to get it is off their own driver because they're just as we saw Hamilton just absolutely f- nearly rear-ending the other cars. So Mercedes can, in theory, go out when they want because they're not really going to get an advantage from anyone else but themselves. I mean, And to be fair, Bottas, being that close to Lewis with no slipstream off anyone, yeah. was an impressive lap. It like shows that he has speed, but <laughs> we don't. But what you, what you associate with Finnish drivers is usually that like race craft and that... like. Yeah. You know, fighting racing spirit, whereas this is just out and out speed. Um, that was one thing though that with Albon that they just abandoned him at one point and didn't. He went out without. Was it coming out of? Was it Q one to Q two? And he they didn't send Verstappen out with him. They were like, right, Albon, this is on you, mate. mate. <laughs> Find some help from someone else because this car's staying in the garage. Yeah, it does surprise me that, especially at a track where the slipstream matters as much as it does at Monza, that they don't work together. I mean, it like again, we've we've discussed in in other podcasts if we were running what we would do if we were running sports teams. If I was running a Formula One team, I would said I would say to them, right, you get the first run in Q three, and say your say your Mercedes. Bottas gets the first run behind Hamilton. Hamilton gets the second run behind Bottas. Yeah. You each get one run of slipstream, and your job on the first run is to give them a good slipstream, make sure you're exactly the right amount ahead at certain points so that you can help each other out. But it just seems like a lot of the teams are like, ah, well, let's see if we can get everyone good, but all at the end. And it just it, it just doesn't work. Like it, And Coulthard is pretty savage about it on the commentary when he's just like, Formula One car should be going fast, not slow. I want to see him go fast. I think yeah. that's the driver's attitude. Is it like it's ridiculous? Well, Jensen Button was also just like, "What is this? Yeah. Like this just never used to happen. We didn't used to have people queuing and argy bargy and overtaking. It was like you just go out to get a fast lap. Like yeah, I think it's FOMO. Your fear of missing out. I th- honestly think that is. That's why people queue up. I think everyone has this fear of missing out on some form of track development, some yeah. of like the right weather. Like, how obsessive have we been about weather this year? Yeah. It's like yeah. ridiculous and like conditions and almost trying to find this like perfect condition for you to do your qualifying lap in. And actually, in reality, like, why not go out when there's five minutes to go in Q3 and the track is completely empty? Like, nobody is on the track then, so why would you not go out then and try and get something? I get that when there's more rubber on the track, there's more grip and everything like that, but actually, like, how much yeah, of a difference I is it really making? Because it's, it's a, not like people go, like, a second quicker in their second run in Q3. Like, yeah. it's it's marginal differences that you probably lose out from traffic and other yeah. cars being there anyway. And the stress. Like, it's it, you know, it's a pretty stressful environment anyways. Yeah. Okay, right, and the last thing we've got to talk about when it comes to this weekend, and this is a bit of a sort of emotional topic for all of Formula 1, um, Williams managed to finish 11th and 14th, uh, 
just missing out on any points, but it was the Williams family's last race involved in the team. Uh, Claire Williams is stepping down as deputy um, team. What is it? Principal. Team principal. Deputy team principal. I think she's not just team principal. No, she's. So Claire Williams is stepping down as deputy team principal. Frank Williams has always no. been team principal, or hasn't been travelling to races recently. It's it's an interesting situation because it's one of those. I mean, the the Williams team name, it will carry on. It's been in Formula One for 43 years so far. Frank Williams has been involved in it for a couple of years longer than that. But I think over the last couple of years, certainly, it's become the team that gives young drivers the shot. And I think a lot a lot of people nowadays just remember them for sort of being a bit of a backmarker. And then if you think about the Williams history... A lot of people quickly jumped to the fact that it was the car that Senna died in. But actually there was, I think it was 13 World Championships. And it was an amazingly colourful um, career in Formula 1 for Frank Williams. It was amazing to see the outpourings of emotions from all the drivers on the grid. Saying how amazing the Williams family have been for Formula 1. How detail-orientated Frank is and and it's exciting to see where the team's going to go in the future but it's a very sad moment I think for all of Formula 1 to lose a name like that I very much enjoyed uh, when Claire waved Latifi out of the garage Yeah, I don't know if any of you have seen that and that was like, I think Latifi said it like what a perfect way to begin Williams' last uh, weekend in Formula 1 and it was an actual pretty decent race for them as well. Yeah. In like the grand. I mean, we look at the whole career of Williams, and yes, it's not the highlight of Williams, but for the past few seasons, that was pretty, pretty good weekend actually. And they just missed out on a point. It would have been amazing if they'd finished with a point, but I don't think they can complain too much about that weekend for them. Um. The final thing I want to ask, we mentioned earlier that Raikkonen was at one point in second or third and continued to go backwards and backwards and backwards. How, I know you mentioned the idea to me of qualifying, you get 10 points if you finish first, down to one point if you finish 10th, and then that switches, they then do a reverse grid for the race and that switches round. How keen, Sam, would you be on something like that? Do you think there's too much of a gap in Formula 1 at the moment for like that scenario to work? Because obviously in Formula 2, it seems like everyone's pretty much got the same car. And so that's why I think it works so well. But in Formula 1, like if Mercedes start at the back, the chances are... Well, they've talked about it, haven't they? Like There's been serious talks about it. And I think we all we almost got a glimpse of it. Yeah. That's in the I'm race thinking. with Hamilton being at the back anyway. And, like, I mean, he went from last to seventh. Like, I I personally think something needs to be... Something needs to be done. Like, it would make the race... so. Like, we took out all the good drivers this weekend and we've all said it's been the best race we've seen in a long time. Like take them out anyway and just sit them at the back and see what happens. I think I think the the reason I suggested having because they now got twenty five 
points for the win, 18 points and things like that. Yeah. Actually, if you make it so that qualifying is still important, because if, yeah. if you had if you had uh, just a pure reverse... Just qualify 10th and be great. Like, you get through to Q3, great. We won't submit a time. We start 10th, great. We get a point and then we finish first. All like, happy days, you know? Yeah. That would it, it would someone would game the system anyways, yeah. but if you put points available on Saturday, it would make, um, it would make the fast teams a bit happier and maybe want hopefully want to go fast. Yeah, but I think you would put the points available just in for Q three. You wouldn't take the points any like, would you have it so Q two also became. You mean like competitive twenty, yeah, like first well, twenty points 20. available. Because well, because you end up having like nine point five with the second. rule that they've got with Q two, you can choose what tires you start on. Like there was a race a couple of weeks ago where Vettel was pretty happy to start to be an eleventh rather than be tenth because he got a ch- tire choice. But like, is that point enough of, enough of an incentive, or is? the tyre choice actually then going to be what you go for. I think there's too much at the moment. Like There's too little of a difference, really, between tyres, mm. you know, for that to be the kind of motive for you to not want to get into Q3 and do that kind of thing. I mean, I the, think, tire, the tyre thing this year has been an absolute shambles. Yeah. I mean... It's also brought quite a lot. Yeah, the best part... No, but the, fact, the, no, but the fact, like, my thing is, like, softs should be the fastest. And we've seen at races in the last couple of weeks, like actually you're you're not losing any speed by going onto the mediums. Well, even the hards. Yeah. The hards look bloody good. Yeah. Now, I mean, like, I obviously I started watching a lot of Formula One when we had the eras of like soft, ultra soft, super soft, super ultra soft, <laughs> nothing. But like. I just think there should be more of a difference in the tire choices so that there is an incentive and like you want to create those differences so that the tactics become more like if if the soft was so much quicker then we'd see a lot of people pitting late for a set of softs 15 laps from the end so that you could absolutely blast it and actually make a big difference if they were like a second a lap quicker if you're a second and a half two seconds of a lap quicker on softs than you are of someone on uh, hards, you would definitely gamble on that like yeah. late pit stop. But equally, it would mean that some of the teams lower down would go, "Oh, we're going to try and do a one stop here and just, you know, cling on for dear life through the middle and yeah. see if we can get to the end while everyone else is stopping and then catching up with you." Like there'll yeah. be, if there was more of a difference, it would make the racing more interesting. As well, also with the fact you now get a point for having the fastest lap. Yeah. Yeah, that's people a really great addition, I think. People make that then. 10 points. No, no. <laughs> it makes it fun then, doesn't it? But then it's... then You it becomes... could be in second, pit, come down to fifth, you would get less points, like, obviously, second and finish fifth, but you'd get the fastest lap, so get 10 extra points, so you'd probably then get more points than first. Yeah, that... that the tactics you should get the most, like that, you should where get you're them. like, you've got guys with like 10 bits of paper with like 10 different scenarios are trying to work out like, oh, which one's the fastest you one? You should get the most points for winning the race. Yeah. Okay. 
I think that's what the strategy people did this weekend, though, when they had their strategies all written yeah. out. And then no, I think they had them all written out and they went... And the red one, and they just went, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> like, hang on. I haven't planned for this. Why is there an Alpha Tauri winning? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah. We've got an Alpha Tauri, an Alpha Romeo, and then a couple of McLarens. What's I, going on? I think we're honestly, it might almost be the dominance of Mercedes that's forcing us to want these things, though. Mm. Yeah. It is. And Toto Wolff has come out and said that he will be at Mercedes next year. So that's another year of dominance. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, also, Renault's changing its name to Alpine. Yeah. Oh, there's so, we've like got so many of them. Alpha now. Tauri, Alpha Romeo, Alpine. Aston Martin. Aston Martin. Yes, I that's mean, not what we can use at all. Martin, uh, Martin Brundle still yeah. says racing points for Force India. He doesn't say the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least they'll look different. Like so the, does the Force India and the Racing Point. One's pink yeah. and one was white, green and orange. Oh, no, it's true. <laughs> and it's no, the Racing Point was pink for a bit, wasn't it? Um, uh, I don't know. The Maybe. Force India, it did go pink when it was Maybe at Force India. I'm pretty sure it did. He, no, he's not got his head around that. He's not going to stand a yeah. chance. Yeah. <laughs> they need to get his son involved. You know, his son commentates on GP2. Wow. And he's actually pretty good. There we go. Trivia. Next year, <laughs> Russell, Russell to Mercedes. And yeah. Brundle's no, son is going to be leading the F1 coverage. Has, Mercedes, has uh, Hamilton signed his contract yet with Mercedes? Because there was an interview where Toto Wolff was like, no, we haven't. We're such good friends. We are avoiding the difficult conversations. There we go. So I don't. I have a feeling it's still not been, still not been sorted. He has bought, Hamilton has bought an extreme Formula E team. Oh, I saw that actually. So he's obviously going to get a big paycheck. So yeah, let's just say he's staying at the same place. Right, so thank you very much for listening to that episode of the J-Rod F1 pod, where we look back at an eventful, I think that's safe to say an eventful race at Monza this weekend. Um, as always, we've got our tour pod that comes out every night looking back at the day's stage. Um, and there are a couple of quite interesting summit finishes coming up in the Tour de France for Oli and I to start looking at. And our normal J-Rod Sports pod, which comes out every Tuesday and Thursday. So make sure you listen to that. But in the meantime, please subscribe, follow us on social media, and let us know if there's anything you want to hear.